listening to the Influencer Girl Lifestyle Podcast with Monica Woodhams. Influencer Girl Lifestyle is all about connecting you with top entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities who are sharing their secrets to living the influencer life behind the Instagram filters. So get ready to learn the ins and outs about influence, some girl talk, from dating to shopping for Gucci belts, and of course, the all-too-frequent debate over mimosas versus Bloody Marys at brunch. Here's your host and go-to for all things influencer lifestyle, Monica Woodhams. Hey, y'all. I'm here today with Allison Kelly. She is the creative mind behind But What Should I Wear? But What Should I Wear is a life and style blog based in Southern California, and it was created as a place to inspire creativity and style. So I'm really excited for Allison to share her story with us today, how she not only has this amazing blog, but also has a successful career as well and can balance the two. So I know a lot of y'all can relate to that. So Allison, thanks for joining today. Thank you so much. What a wonderful introduction. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here and to talk about all things influencing with you. Yes. Yes. So let's kick it off real quick though with a little this or that. Okay. Yes, I'm ready. Okay. Yoga or bar? Yoga. Hand, that was that was like easy hands down. <laughs> it was so easy. <laughs> do you ever do bar? I do, and when I do, I get my butt kicked. Um, yeah, but right? I prefer, I definitely prefer hot yoga. <laughs> Same. I'm a yoga girl too. Okay, tequila or wine? Oh, that is. Oh, ooh, that's okay. That's a tough one. I would say wine. Like if I had to do one okay. for the rest of my life, wine. Okay. That, that's fair. Probably, probably <laughs> the responsible choice. I know. Tequila would be a little much. <laughs> uh, Instagram posts or Instagram stories? Ooh, that's also a tough one. I would say Instagram stories just because I feel like I have a little bit more freedom to play around with edits yeah. and get more personal with my followers and everything. It's it's definitely a little bit more fun to be yeah. on Instagram stories. I agree. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bored with Instagram posts, but I know they're like a necessary evil. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what are your thoughts on IGTV? Oh, I don't know. I definitely am a newbie <laughs> when it comes to that. I haven't dabbled too much in IGTV except for kind of like lookbook style videos. So not too much talking, more mm-hmm. uh, music overlaid with cute outfits. Um, right. So I'm kind of feeling it out. I'm trying to see, you know, what people are watching, what people want to see, uh, what people are engaging with. But I'm definitely still pretty new to the scene when it comes to IGTV. I also don't really do YouTube. So that whole video right. and video editing is pretty daunting to me, but I keep telling myself I'm going to get into it. Yeah. As a, like on a consumer standpiece, do you watch other people's IGTVs? Um, no, you know, I don't actually watch too many videos unless they're tutorials that I'm really interested in. I know that's the thing for me. I feel like it has to be something where like, I'm like learning how to figure something out or like, and I need to like see it in real time. Cause otherwise I don't, I don't know. That's where I get stuck with the IGTV thing. Like I know 
Instagram created it for a reason and that we'll all be on it before we even know it and forget that we even had this conversation of, I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> exactly. That's how everyone felt about Instagram stories when they first came out too. So exactly. <laughs> yeah. I remember people would be like, who has time to look at Instagram stories? Well, apparently all of us. Yeah, now here we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, mimosa or Bloody Mary? Mimosa. I actually do not like anything tomatoes, so that was easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> takeout or cooking? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm gonna go with takeout. <laughs> <laughs> what do you? What kind of food do you like to do takeout for? Um, anything. I'm usually a, <laughs> a Mexican yes. takeout, or definitely like pho or pad oh thai. Anything yes. in takeout is amazing. Absolutely. Um, I am treating myself to ramen takeout tonight. I've decided. I'm jealous. That was ramen was the first thing I had when I got back from Italy. I wanted the least Italian food ever when I came back. So I got ramen. (laughs) I can so relate to that. Um, And the last one is leather jacket or denim jacket. Oh, that is also a tough one. I think I would go with denim jacket because they tend to be a lot more comfortable. Yeah. I used to be a leather jacket girl and recently I'm just, just, I don't know. I guess we're all getting so casual now. Exactly. But they're both good. I mean, they're both amazing staples that everyone needs to have in their closet, but I just find myself leaning more towards a denim jacket typically because they're just so much more comfy and you can wear them oversized. Mm -hmm. Yes. That is what I'm in the market for right now is like a really good oversized one. So if you have any pointers or any direction to send me, let me know. Honestly, I just thrift them because that's That's what everyone's telling me. (laughs) They end up being, I just want to do it online. (laughs) I love it. They end up being so comfortable when you thrift them because someone's already worn and washed them a dozen times and break them in yourself. That's so true. Okay. So let's transition things in to talking about your blog. So how long has your blog been around? When, when did you decide that you wanted to do this and you know, how much time went by between deciding to do it and actually like making it happen? Okay. That's a tough one. Um, (laughs) because so I, started my blog in September, 2016, but I didn't really start taking blogging and influencing seriously until probably about six months later. So I've really only been blogging for, I would say a year. Okay. And I, I had thought about it. I had tried, I had actually tried making a blog before about a year before that and epically failed. I was just too much of a perfectionist to ever show anybody or ever put it anywhere. So it kind of went on the back burner. And then I started working full time after I graduated college and I just needed something that was kind of be my own creative outlet that I could call my own. And I would have complete authority over what I wanted it to look like, how I wanted it to feel, how I wanted other people to feel when I saw the, when they saw the photos and read the blog post. So that's kind of when I really started, but what should I wear? And then, like I said, it wasn't until six months after that I really realized that there was potential to make it a career and started taking it a lot more seriously. And 
and I've been doing it ever since. Was there a particular moment where you did realize, okay, this actually has um, the sustainability to become a career or did it just kind of happen before you knew it? You were like, oh, there's like profitability that comes in through this. Yeah. Well, I always knew that it was something a ton of other women were really successful doing. I knew it was a career opportunity because I've seen so many women before me be able to make it their career. Um, But the one thing that I learned is I always thought you needed to have, you know, 300,000 followers or a million followers to quit your job, do blogging full time and make really good money. And it wasn't until I really started doing it myself that it's not all in the numbers and all in your following. And you can still definitely make a good amount of money and support yourself with smaller numbers. As long as you have that quality audience and those people that are engaged, then you can make a good living for yourself. And it took me a while, probably six months to really understand that I could do that myself. And I didn't need to go and have a million followers before I started making my own money and turning it into a career. Totally. So what would you say to someone who they're starting out and maybe they have like, I don't know, let's say they have 9,000 followers what would you say to kind of encourage them to keep doing in order to feel like they can actually make this a career for themselves, especially when it comes to growing an audience? Because I have a lot of people ask me, well, I'm worried that people just look at the number of followers I have. And so they won't even follow me because they don't think that I'm like worth following. So I feel like there's a couple of different aspects to answering your question. I think first and foremost is to understand that even just having anywhere under 10,000 followers, whether it's 3,000, 5,000, like you said, 9,000, how how long it took you to get there and how long it takes so many other people to get there. And when you do it authentically, that's such a huge number of people to have following you. And I always like to put it in perspective where if you had all of those people in a room, I mean, just imagine how many people 7,000 people is. That's That's a lot of people that you influence. (laughs) And I would always get really discouraged as well, especially when I was under that 10 K there's just something about it that Instagram makes you feel like you don't have as much worth as the girls that have maybe a higher following. And that's so not true because like I said, even if you have 9,000 people following you, that's 9,000 people that are engaged with your content that are looking at what you're creating every day. And they loved what you're doing enough to click the follow button. And no, I think you have to know what you're worth at that point and know Mm -hmm. that you are worth companies paying you to content create and to promote their products. And you are, your time is worth money and the content that you create is worth money. And I, as you mentioned earlier, I work as a marketing director. And so I see the other side of marketing and Mm -hmm when a company has to go and hire a model and a photographer and an editor and then sponsor something on Instagram that costs them so much money and you're doing that all in one for them. So I think if you have really good content and you have an authentic audience, then 
don't beat yourself up about it and keep pushing through because the numbers will grow. They will come slowly, but surely they will at like slow and steady Mm -hmm. wins the race. I'm serious. And it's all about engagement now because so many people are buying their followers or have fake followers and are using bots that now it's all about your engagement and brands are really starting to notice that they would much rather work with a girl that has 9,000 followers and 500 people are liking her photos than a girl that has 50,000 followers and only a thousand people are liking her photos. So when when your engagement is there and when you're doing it authentically, you just have to really push through and, you know, be a little headstrong about it. Cause I know it gets hard. I've been there. I've been mm-hmm. there where you really feel like you're defined by numbers and just remember you're not, and you're still worth a company's time and money. And to always keep that into perspective and defend yourself and make sure that you are charging for partnerships that you think you should be charging for and make always making sure that whenever you work on a collaboration, it's mutually beneficial and to never let a company feel as though your work is less than just because you don't have a certain number of following that you, you know, they think that you should have. Absolutely. What would you say is a way that someone can really check in with their own content and what they're creating out there making sure that it is quality content, especially in this space where you could kind of say a lot of people are posting the same exact thing. So for you, how do you make sure that you have your own voice, so to speak, in your content and that is reflected in high quality content that a brand sees? So I think it it's kind of a balance between two different things. I think first and foremost, you always want to make sure that it's authentic to who you are and yourself. And for me, I always like to look at which accounts am I going to? Why do I love their content? What about their content inspires me? And how can I make my content better and more creative and take that inspiration from them and then use it myself. And why, what is it about their account that inspires me? Do, are they in the moment? Do they share iPhone photos every day of their outfits or their brunches? Or are they more creative with the fancy Canon DSLRs and the travel photography and the, you know, kind of editorial magazine style photos? What is it about the people that I follow and that I engage with? What do I like about them? And how do I keep that authentic to myself? Mm-hmm. And then I think the other part too is really take inventory of the brands that you love and the ones that you follow and look at your dream brands, the brands that you want to work with and how does your content align with their content and how can you better align yourself with those brands without losing who you are, which I think is a huge balance because you don't want to go and do what someone else is doing just because it works for them because it might not work for you and then it'll never feel authentic to Mm -hmm. what you're doing. That's kind of the two sides that I would say is just really focus on what drives you and what makes you feel creative and what content really makes you proud to put up. But then also what are you doing to align yourself with the brands that you want to work with? I really like how you said like what makes you feel creative because this at its core, this is a creative industry, right? But sometimes it feels like everyone's just trying to replicate what they're seeing other people do. And then all of a sudden it doesn't feel that creative anymore. And like, if you think about, when blogging first started, it was just so blatantly like 
everyone had their own interpretation of what they were doing. And now it just seems like when people are starting out, there's just that tendency to forget that there is the creative piece behind it. Exactly. I completely agree. And I felt it too, where I have felt myself really trying to almost replicate what other people are doing because it's so successful for them. Mm -hmm. And then I found that I'm just not satisfied with the work that I'm creating and neither is my audience. My audience isn't engaging with it. They're, they don't like it as much because that's not what they're used to seeing from me. So I've found when I stay true to myself, instead of following in other people's footsteps, I'm able to create a more engaged audience and work that I'm proud of, which at the end of the day is most important for me. I don't want to be putting up something just because it performs well if I'm not proud of the work that I created. Right. Because, and your time is so valuable and especially, you know, you do have, you have two jobs, so to speak. And, you know, why would you just kind of phone it in when like with, your time. Exactly. Yes. So I work, I have a full-time job and then I do blogging as well. So it's definitely balancing my time and prioritizing what's important to me and really making sure that I'm doing things efficiently and things that I'm proud of. I, I don't feel like I'm wasting my time when I do that. I'm just doing something to get paid or to get something out there or to, do something that I think is going to perform really well. It's, it's wasting my time because I don't have the time to just go and, you know, I don't know, do things that yeah. I'm not inspired no, 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 I by. I guess yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So how do you manage this balance between the two? Like, how do you avoid burnout? Oh gosh. So that's, <laughs> that's a tough one. So I work remotely, which makes it a lot easier for, me to find balance in both blogging and working a full-time job. So because I work from home, I'm able to take longer breaks um, as well as kind of have a lot of flexibility with my schedule. And I am forever grateful for having that because I know that's not something everybody has. Um, but I, I know um, I'm sure a lot of other people who are blogging and working full-time as well will feel this, that you kind of always feel like you're working. Yeah. I mean, if if I'm not waking up early to finish my full-time job, I'm staying up late to shoot blog photos or do blog posts. And sometimes you feel like you can't catch a breath. And I think you have to accept that if you're going into blogging and working full-time, you are going to be a lot busier than the people around you. And it is going to be harder for you to find that balance for yourself. So I think you go into it understanding, Hey, I'm going to be busier. I'm taking on this task, but I'm doing it because it's going to be something that I love. I'm furthering my career, whatever your goal is to keep that into perspective. When the days get hard and the hours get long, it will really help. And then I think it's also really important to just prioritize me time. I know that sounds so cheesy, but I think for me, especially just actually taking a day off is really important for me because Monday through Friday, I'm working, you know, almost all day, basically working my full-time job. And then after I'm off of work, I do a photo shoot or work on blog posts or go to an event or do networking. Mm -hmm. So taking that Saturday or that Sunday, or maybe it's your Monday nights or your Tuesday nights, taking a time where you tell yourself you're not going to do anything. You're going to spend the time with your roommate, your friend, your family, your dog, 
just by yourself, whatever it is that helps you really helps me kind of stay focused. Cause otherwise I start feeling like I can't keep my head above the water if I don't give yeah. myself a break. And sometimes you have to schedule that. And that feels really weird to be like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to schedule myself me time. But then once you do that, it ends up feeling really good and you have the motivation to keep working through um, when the hours get long. It's so true because the hours will get long. That is just the nature of it but you're right like just putting it in the calendar like okay this is this is going to be me time i think that also helps not feel guilty about it because i'm i have workaholic tendencies so it can be a saturday and even if i'm like out somewhere i could be like oh i need to like catch up on my emails but if it's like in your calendar that this is your time then you can like not feel as guilty because you're like, okay, I scheduled this in. Everything's taken care of there. There's no fires that need to be put out right now. <laughs> Absolutely. And a big thing I do too. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it is batch working. Yes. Um, oh, I know a ton of other bloggers talk about it, but it is life changing. Yes. Working is basically when you focus on one type of task at a time for an allotted amount of time, whether that's an hour, the whole day, part of the day, just, you know, I'm going to set aside one hour, I'm going to do emails, and then I'm going to set another side, an hour aside, and I'm just going to power out a couple of blog posts. And really doing that batch work, especially for me, I have to toggle between my full-time job, which is completely different than my blog. So right. before I would kind of toggle in between the two, seamlessly and I would felt like I was never getting anything done. Yes. Whereas now Agree. I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus on my full-time job. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do that right. And I'm going to do it well for four hours. And then I'm going to do my blog for two hours and then I'm going to go back to work. And so just kind of getting your brain to focus on one type of task and one mm -hmm. kind of theme for a specific amount of time has really helped me. And I always thought it was a bunch of like, I don't know, hokey pokey. I was like, well, <laughs> like, I'm fine. And then when I realized and looked at my to-do list at the end of the day that I wasn't getting anything done, I was only getting yeah. a little bit of some things done instead of actually completing tasks. I was like, okay, let's try this batch working. And it's been, yeah, working, so. <laughs> I know. I swear by it too. I, it's amazing how much more productive you really can be because your brain just can't be doing all these things going back and forth all at the same time. Exactly. And then so many things are more likely to slip through the cracks and yes. you miss them because you're switching back and forth between different types of work. Exactly. And we don't want that. That is not ideal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, when it comes to the times that you are working on your blog, have there ever been moments where you feel like you're, you should be spending more time on Instagram versus creating blog content or what do you feel is really important in terms of creating consistent blog content? Cause I know a lot of people have kind of like jumped ship and just been focusing primarily on Instagram, but I'd love to hear like your take on it. Absolutely. I love this question because <laughs> I have been there where I've felt like my audience is coming from Instagram. I'm growing on Instagram. I'm making money off of Instagram. Why do I even have a blog? Mm -hmm. And it really put it into perspective for me. Um, I was actually listening to someone else's podcast where if Instagram is deleted overnight, 
or Pinterest or Facebook or whatever social media platform is what's really driving your audience. That's deleted overnight. Where is all your content? And where is everything that you own and that you've created? And where's your portfolio to be able to show people, look, this is what I just spent two years doing or three years or five years creating. And if you don't have all of your content to be evergreen on your website or a blog, then if Instagram ever goes away, which it probably will, (laughs) you know, you want a place where you can have all of your content and you don't lose all of the hard work that you've spent so much time and effort and creative, creative um, aspects of yourself like putting into. Yeah. So I definitely am a huge advocate of keeping your blog going and I love it because you don't have to listen to anybody else's rules. You don't have to follow anyone else's formula of what works and what doesn't or how to get people engaged. You simply have a place that's a hundred percent your own. There's no rules and you get to do whatever you want and you get to be creative. And that's where I find myself when I go and create blog posts is where I feel the most inspired and creative and connected with my audience. Cause those are the people that have gone off of social media and then are connecting with me on this platform. That's my yeah, own. I love that. Also, you've really motivated me to want to like put everything I've ever put on Instagram onto <laughs> my website. And I'm like scared. I'm like, Wait, all these photos. No, but it's such a good point because Again, like we don't know what's going to happen with Instagram. For all we know, we can wake up tomorrow and IGTV is the only thing that's there. You know, it's such a good point. And from a business perspective to really have an area of your business that you do have full ownership over. Oh, absolutely. And even too, it gives you a lot of leverage with working with other brands as well, because if you can drive your audience on Instagram to engage with your website and build your own traffic. That only is, that's the perfect example that you can give another company Mm -hmm. saying, you know, look, my audience is engaged and they're authentic. And I have 10,000 followers on Instagram and 2000 of them are going to my website. Which is huge. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So in, and to have that, those kind of stats, I mean, right there is your, your case study or like your Mm -hmm. example A of being able to show brands how real and authentic your audience is and how engaged they really are with, with you and what you create. Yeah. I love that way of looking at it. So when it comes to, you know, keeping up this continuing um, engagement with your audience and really being there for them and with them and providing them with quality content, another layer to, to that is that you now offer your presets. So where did this idea come from deciding, you know what, I'm going to sell these presets for my audience? So I started selling presets probably six months ago. And basically it started because I wanted to create a unique look for my photos. I wanted to be able to play around with colors and edits and make them more unique than just, you know, using an Instagram filter. 
So I actually purchased a handful of other bloggers presets. And for those of you that don't know what presets are, they are basically filters that you can use in Lightroom. Mm-hmm. And Lightroom is um, an Adobe application on both the desktop and phone. And then you can kind of further, it gives you a base to edit. So it's not like a filter where it's just perfect. It lays on top of every photo differently, depending on the lighting and the colors and the mood of the photo. So then from there you go and you play around with it and get this unique look for your photos. So I started off doing that and then I really realized what I liked and what I didn't. And I basically nerded out over Lightroom. I mean, I spend (laughs) so many hours in the day just playing with different types of edits and different looks and just getting different kind of feel, giving different feels and moods to the photos that you take. I mean, it can, editing a photo can completely transform Oh yeah, your photo and especially transform your feed and really helps create a consistent feed. And so I thought, you know, this helped me so much as a blogger to really learn how to use Lightroom, learn how to use um, editing tools and software. And it kind of, it was a starting point for me. So now I do all of my own edits, but without those presets, I wouldn't have been able to learn. And so that was a good foundation for me as a beginner to really learn my way around using the platform Lightroom. So I figured if this was so beneficial to me, then I would love to offer it to other people. And I always had people asking me how I edited my photos. How do you edit your photos? How do you edit your photos? And I felt like just answering, oh, I edit them in Lightroom didn't really give the answer people were looking for. Right. So that's when I decided to sell my presets and I sell a handful of different presets. Some of them are ones that I use regularly and other ones are vastly different from what I use because I know everyone kind of has different editing styles. So I set out to create basically at the beginning four vastly different types of edits that people could use so they could really find their own editing style and what works best with their photos. I love Uh, that. So it's like, you know, everyone can go and get the edits that I use. I sell the exact, I use all of my own presets. So if you see my photos, they're all done with the presets that I sell. And then I have a handful that I don't use. And those are, you know, are much different. Some of them are a lot dreamier, a lot more warm and orangey turquoise. Some are grainier and, you know, more dark and moody. So I can really cater to maybe you're not looking for my style, but hey, I have these other edits as well. Yeah. And I love your perspective on it for being like a good really starting point to really understand it yourself because I think that that's where we can kind of tie back the creativity and it kind of comes full circle from the beginning of this conversation where like this is a creative industry and when you can really tap into your creativity you can make it your own so you know if you're not familiar with Lightroom yet your presets are a great starting point and then you just kind of play around with it and then it really does become your own. So I think that's really cool. I love that. Yeah, exactly. And it gives you the, like you said, the ability to kind of have a foundation and build your own edits on top of it and create your own type of unique feed and Instagram profile. Yeah. Do you feel like having a tangible product, so to speak, is important for the future of, you know, 
being an influencer and really taking the career as an influencer to the next level? I definitely, yes, I definitely think so. And I think it really depends on what your goals as an influencer are. But I think that starting out with some sort of product or service or offering is really beneficial because then it makes you less dependable on other businesses bringing you in money Mm -hmm. and campaigns. And it really helps fill in the gaps as an influencer because influencers, um, as many of you may know, don't get steady paychecks. You can have a great month one month and a terrible month the next. And you kind of always have to hold on to the paychecks you get because you never know when the next one's going to come. Yeah. So having your own product, whether it's digital or physical or some sort of service that you offer, being able to do that helps fill in those gaps and helps you be able to sustain yourself on a monetary basis. And it also helps you really connect with the people that follow you because they get to connect with you on another level. And for me, it's like they're supporting me and they're supporting my dreams. Everyone that has ever bought my presets, I'm incredibly thankful for because I'm like, you put like your faith in me and to support me over all these other people that sell presets, you know, and and that feels pretty amazing too in its own. That is really cool. And it is really amazing because again, like you, it's not just about you at the end of the day. It's about you and the relationship you have with your audience. And so I think that that's a really cool way for like everyone to kind of come together and just keep creating content together. Absolutely. So we'll wrap it up with two lifestyle questions. So the first one is what was your morning routine like today? Okay. Wow. Um, I wish you asked me yesterday because my morning was a lot better yesterday. Um, but I slept in. <laughs> yes. Nice. And then I took my dog on a walk as I made coffee. I always do that in the morning. Um, I have a dog with me. So I took him on a walk and then I actually, um, have been in phone call meetings up until right now. So my, <laughs> my it has been, um, pretty standard today. And then I actually, um, Uber eats myself lunch. So nice. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, usually I just, um, I try to wake up pretty early and, uh, first thing is I brew the pot of coffee and take my dog on a walk so that, um, I get that out of the way. So, you know, he's been outside and I also get up and moving and I definitely feel more awake when I'm able to hop out of bed and go for a walk first thing in the morning, especially since I work remotely because yes. let me tell you working remotely, <laughs> waking up early in the morning and not without actually having to be in an office could get really tough sometimes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is what is your favorite lifestyle hack? Ooh, lifestyle hack. Okay. So I would say, um, my lifestyle hack that I'm really into right now, it's kind of related to food and beauty is, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's, it's called bullet coffee or yeah. they also call it like butter coffee. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, because basically what I do with mine is I brew a pot of coffee and then I add a little bit of coconut oil and butter. And then I typically add some sort of, uh, collagen, uh, peptides mixed 
mixed into my coffee. And I do that first thing in the morning and I love it because then I don't have to focus right away on having breakfast. I get a power pack of nutrients and all the good fatty oils that you need. And it keeps me much more energized than just caffeine would. And it's sustained energy. So the first thing, um, I don't, I'm, I'm not a big breakfast person, so I like to just hit the ground running when I wake up. So yeah. doing that and kind of getting that power pack of energy and not just that caffeine energy, but actual like sustainable energy because you're getting those fatty oils mm-hmm. has really helped me. And then later kind of in the morning or the early afternoon is then when I'll go and sit down and have either a late breakfast or an early lunch. Um, but that's kind of been my lifestyle hack for the past, I would say three months I've been doing it and I'm obsessed. <laughs> oh, I love that. Cause I'm not that I'm a breakfast person. If it's like Saturday and I can like sit down and have like brunch or something like that right. on a normal mm-hmm. day, like I'm like you, like I get up and then all of a sudden like getting things started. So exactly. Really. I love that. Yeah. I would give it a try and play around with it because sometimes they don't taste, it doesn't taste that great at first because, (laughs) um, but I would just play around with different types of coffee and different butters and all that different ratios, all that good stuff. I highly recommend it. Awesome. I love it. Okay. So where can everyone find you? So, um, first and foremost, you can find me on my blog. It's, but what should I wear.com. And then all of my different social media handles are also, um, just at, but what should I wear? Perfect. And then you have a discount code for your presets. Yeah. So if you guys, um, found the presets today through obviously your podcast, Monica, you guys are all welcome to use the discount code podcast. All capital letters, one word, and you'll get 20% off any of my preset packs. Amazing. Perfect. Yeah. And you can and shop then, all of those on butwhatshouldiwear.com as well. Perfect. That was just what I was going <laughs> to ask. But oh, I will perfect. link all of that up in the show notes so y'all can just click through and access them right away. But thank you so much, Allison. This was so good. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was a successful first podcast. Yay! I had a great time. I loved it. Thanks for listening to the Influencer Girl Lifestyle. Love this episode? Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. For show notes and free resources on living out your influencer lifestyle, head over to monicawoodhams.com forward slash podcast.